With regulatory changes around the corner, the transition to digital quality management is a crucial component of today's care organisations. But what does that look like? And what are the challenges faced by providers who embark on this journey? I've just had a conversation with Ogi Sheehy, the CEO of European Business for Viclarity, who are an award-winning provider of governance, risk, compliance management software solutions for highly regulated industries such as the care sector. In this episode, we talk about digital quality management. We talk about the benefits of digital quality management. We talk about the steps to implementing a digital quality management system and also what care leaders can expect from the future of digital quality management. My name's Simon Parker, and this is the Care Leaders Network podcast. Today, we're answering the question, what makes a good digital quality framework? So, Ogi, why is it so important that we talk about digital quality management? Well, Simon, I think digital quality management is, is key at the moment um, across the board as it relates to, to all healthcare settings. <clears throat> I think, number one, there's a, a significant increase in regulatory pressure put upon healthcare institutions across the board. So that means there's more inspections, they're happening more regularly, and there's more regulations being issued. And um, so that's kind of a, a key area. And um, I think that, that's driving um, the need to talk about that. Secondly, I think there's um, a huge amount of staff turnover. We see a lot of uh, organizations in healthcare are suffering from people moving on, people who would have been doing a job in a particular way, and all of a sudden um, there's, you know, like, there's a gap, somebody's left behind. And I think with that in mind, when somebody is, you know, moves on to a different role and there's no continuity, it means that there's no consistency in terms of, of, of kind of the activity that was being done. And therefore, I suppose at the third point being, the, the lack of data, um, if you don't have good, clear, accurate information um, to run your business by, then it puts you in a difficult place because clearly then it has a direct implication on the quality of service you're going to deliver and to ultimate patient outcomes as well. I think that's one of the things that um, people seem to be becoming increasingly aware of, uh, the, the, the issue or, or opportunity even of, of data. Um, to be able to, to collect data, to be able to interpret data, to be able to get insights and potentially even foresights from that data to improve the lives of the people that, who are uh, in the care uh, of the of the care organisation itself. It's absolutely massive. And I kind of feel like we're just on the on the tip of the iceberg. So I guess that's a, a massive part of the equation. Um, and that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts practical data, but then also the kind of the uh, the more kind of contextual data as well and how those two interplay uh, between each other. So, yeah, I can imagine that data is a, a, a big part of the conversation that you're having at the moment. It's huge. I mean, it really centres around, everything centres around the data, I should say. And, and you have the challenges of, of how to collect the data. You have the challenges of the volume of data. So we'd see a lot of organisations who would collect huge volume of data. They'll collect it very manually. So the time and the cost and the effort involved in doing it um, is, is huge to organizations. And then retrospectively, the collating of all that data together at the end and the lag, it's a huge problem, the lag in time between collecting the data and the ability to actually analyze it to see, as you mentioned, the couple of data points you need to be concerned about, the areas you need to take action on, you know, the trends of data from historical um, audits or historical data collection points. So... It's a huge area. And I think, you know, you've everything from 
people not collecting relevant data or not knowing what data to collect to people who are collecting huge volumes of data and all that goes in the middle of that and all so it is huge and i think again regulators are expecting healthcare organizations now to to collect the relevant data to collect accurate data and to make sure that 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 information is being used to drive decisions in the business and ultimately it's to improve quality of care that's that's the ultimate goal and i guess as well the um the regulator is going to become increasingly interested in data um of, obviously in, in in england certainly we've got the whole conversation around icss and icbs and how data is passed between the health and social care sectors respectively um so having accurate timely useful informative data is is just going to become more and more important over time so um coming back to the digital quality management side of things um i think a lot of people will be looking at their digital infrastructure if you if you like a lot of care providers will be looking at their business in as much as the fact that right okay they might have care planning they might have emar um not everyone at the moment is at that point where they've got that digital quality management uh, technology in place. Talk to me about the the, the specific benefits of layering that extra um, uh, that that extra product into the into an organisation. How does that work out for 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 care leaders? How does it work for the for the team delivering the care? What are what are the implications? The positive implications of having that tech in place? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And and just to to, to lead on to the previous point, I think when you look at the digital quality management systems, you know a lot of people might perceive that as a tick box. Are we tick boxing? regulators would not be satisfied, would not be happy with that approach. So a real digital quality management system needs to have an evidence-based approach. So when you determine you've done something, you need to then provide the necessary evidence. And to your question and, and the point you just made, it's really important to talk about that layering on. You know, there's no big magical switch that anybody either can flick or should flick. Because from experience and having implemented quality management systems for years into healthcare facilities in both Ireland, the UK, and in the US. That big bang approach is certainly not desirable. So there are key components that people need to have as part of that quality management system. And one of the real core aspects and the initial starting point usually um, for organizations can be like a digital auditing process. So it's a core aspect of we're auditing within our facility, if you have multiple either locations, you can run, for example, a medications audit uh, in month one across all of your locations using that digital platform. And I guess the benefit is, uh, to, to your question, is it really eliminates the, the manual kind of Excel-based, usually Excel-based processes. It eliminates the time required for the head of quality to email out Excel spreadsheets to all these locations, manually download them, fill in the information, most likely not evidence-based because Excel does, you know, it has limitations, of course, prone to human error um, as it can be, but then to email it back and the concept of taking all those spreadsheets and trying to merge them together, produce reports just to see the data. So a starting point for me always, and a good starting point is that auditing process. So you send it out electronically through a system, it hits each location, it drives as well, Simon, which is always an interesting point, a culture of 
of additional enhanced accountability for individuals within each of those facilities, be it a ward of a hospital or be it a don in a, in a, in a hospital or a head of quality in a nursing home. It just drives them to, to know I've got to interact with this digital quality management system. I've got to complete my audits and I have got access to data instantaneously at my fingertips. I can see my previous month. I can see where I'm trending. I can then create corrective actions. So it's just that nugget of awareness of the quality requirements, the auditing standards then for that location, and then allowing them to view the data and take actions, immediately take actions. The benefit, of course, to the, the, the central quality management function is you now see that for all your locations together in one place. So th th there's a lot of benefits in that capacity. So I always talk about that being the kind of initial step in terms of the auditing framework as part of as part as one part of the overall bigger picture of that digital quality management framework. And like, I guess just from a practical standpoint for for the leaders, the people who are uh, whether it be a quality director or somebody with kind of a, a similar role in that kind of um, uh, it, with 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 a focus on quality of uh, of care, that that person. They might have however many services they're in a position then through kind of the dashboards and the analytics and all of that type of stuff to be able to see that data being collected at a at a high level so that they can appreciate what's going on from a from a from a almost a strategic board level type type um uh, uh, uh kind of context if you like but then also as well if there's things that maybe look um maybe if there's a trend that looks like it's it, it's something of concern or maybe there's something that that needs closer attention in in whatever capacity it, it is that person's then able to drill into the detail and then have the conversations with the with the people because it's because of the different layers of the way that the data's structured am i, am I right in saying that that's the yeah that's the yeah exactly that simon i mean at the end of the day the benefit is like you said being able to have the helicopter view how are we collectively across the entire organization as it relates to quality management, quality of care? And you've got all the structures and audit processes that sit down underneath that. You can drill down within the data set in the software systems that exist today to be able to isolate either a location or an auditing structure. So across all of them, but you can continue to drill right down to see, and it can often be genuinely a, a training gap for maybe an individual in a particular uh, nursing home that just isn't doing a particular function pretty well, you know, um, as it relates to management of medications. So the action that, that maybe that you might take is, well, look, three months in a row, we've seen the same issue in the same location, accountable to the same individual. So the action we're going to take is we're going to do retraining on that location for this particular activity. And what I can tell you is, from experience, again, when regulators go to any type of healthcare organization, and they look at what's actually being done. They see that you're doing, you know, best practice. You are auditing. You're self-aware of, of where you are. You've identified your gaps. You're monitoring your trends. You're improving, so you're getting better. But you're actually taking actions. You're really, and you're monitoring the actions, the closure. So you've got a full closed-loop process as part of that quality management framework. And when that's done and done right and done well, it's very powerful, very powerful. And I guess that that accountability sits at the, again at the various different layers within the the organisations. I hate the word hierarchy, but you know what I mean. The, the kind of yeah. the organisational structure, if you uh, if you will. Um, and 
I guess, layering in on top of that as well. Of course, you've got the efficiency thing where if you've got somebody who's in one site that's maybe, I don't know, a couple of hundred miles away, potentially from a, from, from another site, if, it, if it's maybe a bigger provider or the portfolio split out, um, the the ability to be able to access that information rather than call up. I mean, I'd like if somebody's working on a paper-based, paper-based system, I don't know, what do you do? You take a photo of the piece of paper yeah. and then forward it across. Somebody's got to have the time to be able to go through the process of finding that. If it's if it's there and it's working in in, in real time and things like that, that's accurate, timely, informative data that you can really do yeah. things do things yeah. about. And I often tell the story, Simon, one of the earlier um, clients we worked with in, in healthcare um, was a group of 18 nursing homes in a group. And the process before the digital quality management system was implemented was the head of quality had full responsibility for the quality in every location. So there was a shift there where it was more this person's role than it was the nursing homes themselves, which was just interesting. But her role was to jump in the car and drive physically to each location and audit that facility and bring that information back on paper, as you've described. Now, this is quite a number of years ago, but the process was bring back the sheets of paper from all of your 18 locations and spend three weeks driving around. And week four was putting it all together just to produce data to show performance across each of the locations. Um, and you can imagine if an issue was identified in location one in week one, it took week four for that information to be put into a system, which in this case was Excel, to produce a report, which was then given to the executive team on a monthly basis. So just the, the lag, the, the lack of availability of instantaneous data is a, is a huge challenge. And that's before you've done anything about it as well. You know, that's just right. collecting, the, collecting the data and putting it into yeah. a into a format that's, uh, or, a, or a structure rather, that's, um, that, that, that you're able to to then act upon so I can I can see very clearly why um this type of technology is is extremely important whenever any care leaders thinking about tech and how to undergo that kind of digital transformation process um the 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 thing that they're gonna 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 think about before they even think about the the technology is almost kind of almost what has to happen before that can you break down for me the steps of implementing the uh, the quality management framework from from right at the start all the way through the through the process just to kind of put it into the kind of various different phases if you like to be really clear around what's just what's involved yeah no it's a super question simon i mean again we've seen it work very well we've seen it not work so well at all i think the first key component um, that's critical to success of the implementation of a digital quality framework i think is going to always be buy in from the top so you need to have executive sponsorship. You need to know either budgets, which is an obvious statement, but just, you know, we've gone through cycles in the past where you get to the end of the, of the road and there is no budget. So just the buy-in, the desire and the ability for the executives to want to have that data, to appreciate the benefits of the quality system, that they know they have a dashboard themselves, they can log in at any point in time, have that helicopter view from an executive level. If you've got that to start with, that's a really good place. A champion, you've got to have a champion, either your head of quality or somebody that is responsible in the business, which is not your executive. It's a champion that's your day-to-day -day working champion who will take that, be your project point of contact, be the person to kind of champion it internally, uh, but also be the one to work externally with kind of getting the system up and running. Thirdly, buy in from the bottom up. 
you you can't come in after a six month project and just go surprise to the first to, to the frontline workers. They have to be part of the process. And I always remember, and I'm going to tell a little story because I think it really explains the point very well. We implemented the system into a hospital group, and like that, we had met with the executives, met with the champions, and I think on the third meeting we had a room of twelve nurses, and our executives and our sponsors, and we thought we were over the line. But we just had the most difficult conversation because now you had the people who are actually going to be interacting with the digital quality management system. So people who would be in interacting with it day to day. But we had a superb conversation and we actually brought with us a tablet and we explained how easy it was to use. And we handed the tablet around the room and we got each person to interact with the system just to break down the challenges mentally for them in terms of a software system. It's new. It's a change. And you know the way sometimes people just don't like change. We've always done it this way. But getting the buy-in from the bottom up is key. So that's the, the first piece. If there are any IT challenges, if there's any infrastructure uh, specific items, having somebody from IT kind of teed up as well can, can be important. But then it's a case of starting the project, as I said earlier, with one thing. What's the one thing that you would need to kick off and really bring value to your healthcare organization. Take an example of auditing. We have audits already. We're doing them manually. We're doing them on Excel, providing those templates um, to the end users and really then working on, you know, as you implement technology, it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be a huge challenge, but taking it in steps, pro project managing it, outlining exactly, this is where we are starting the process. At the end, this is what you're going to get. And these are the benefits that you're going to get. And really scoping in what it is you're going to deliver and what it is you're going to deliver in terms of benefits to the end users. It's got to bring benefits, Simon, to the end users. It's got to bring benefits to your champion. And it's got to bring benefits to your, to your executive team. And those benefits are, as we've spoken about, instantaneous access to data, accurate data, additional accountability, helicopter view with the ability to drill down, really being able to see where the trends are across your, your group or even your individual nursing home, to be honest. Ability to instantaneously take action, to fix something that you've just seen as an issue. It's all those pieces, but scoping that out as a project and setting expectations at the beginning with your champions, your executives and your, your end users, and then delivering value with one thing quickly, to say, now we've done this. Now you've broken down that psychological barrier that some people will have about, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a huge project. It doesn't have to be a huge project. It can bring you value pretty quickly with low hanging fruit of something that is an issue right now for you within your healthcare organization. So that's kind of, I think, really key. Once you deliver one item that you can double back, you have the buy-in, you've delivered value, you've, you've delivered to your commitments, and then you go with the next, components or the next layer, as you mentioned earlier, and there are quite a number of layers to get to a full end-to-end -end quality management system, but it's about delivering some value um, in the first phase is really critically important. Sure. No, that makes that makes total sense. I want to talk to you about um, the challenges that, that care organizations might encounter as part of that process, but I guess one thing just before we get into, into that question, it, talking about the 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 process, the steps involved in implementing a, a quality management framework. What would you say 
where do most people come unstuck in that in that process from all of the implementations that you've that you've done what are the key things where it doesn't necessarily go as well as it as it might um because i guess just really putting a reg flag a flag up on that one uh just to make sure that people have really got the message on that one if they if they could get that one thing nailed the rest of it should should run run smoothly yeah i think there, there's two things i would say simon to that one is which is it's common unfortunately but when we normally would go now to work with any healthcare organization we would have the champion who's our, our person on the ground but it's making sure that you've got a business continuity plan, that you've got person number two. Because if Mary or John or Declan leave in the middle of the project, it can collapse. If you lose, if you lose your champion, it's a big, big problem. So I would suggest strongly to anybody who's considering implementing a quality framework that they make sure that it's not on the shoulders of any one individual internally. So have a second and third person as champions. So if one leaves, project is seamlessly taken over by somebody else. Secondly, I've seen where people have huge ideas, big, big goals, and want to do everything, and want to do it now. And, and it's probably related to the implementation of any type of technology in any type of, of organization. Big bang and going after everything in one go is challenging because there is commitment required on the healthcare um, side. So you do need people to review, attend weekly calls. And, you know, we have a very structured project management and, and implementation process that requires input, that requires sign off on scope. You try to do that with multiple modules in the one, in the one go, it brings challenges. And then one gets stuck. And then the next one is put on hold because this one isn't moving forward. And, you're just trying to do too many things at the one time. And it can really sully and sour a relationship, really, if, if, if the perception is that this isn't really going where we thought it was going to go. So we will always come now and we will choose the first um, solution to implement, scope it out, make sure we have the right people on the other side and more than one person. And as I mentioned earlier, deliver the one piece of value first and then go again and then go again. So I think careful planning, Simon, is really important and really knowing what are the issues you, you're looking to solve. Because we'd often talk to people and they'd say, oh, wow, you've got a, a document management system as well. Yeah, gee, we'd like to do that too. And people don't realize that to implement a document management system in a healthcare setting requires you to have a list of all your policies, a list of all your procedures, a list of all the attributes for every document. The release version, the last time it was reviewed, the name of the author, the name of the reviewer, just there's a bit of work to be done. So just don't underestimate the work that's involved on, on the on the healthcare side and, and just be prepared and scope it appropriately, I think would be would be the feedback I would give. Two really important points. When when you were um breaking down the, the details of the latter point, just around um almost the prioritization of the phases of the platform that you want to implement into your organization. Um that I think Japanese project uh, proverb um, I might have got that wrong, but I, I'll, I'll go with Japanese. And it, I think it says something along the lines of the uh, the person that chases two rabbits catches none. Uh, I, I guess it's that just being sp spread too thinly whilst trying to implement this type of stuff. It's likely to cause problems. So uh, being being pragmatic and saying, right, OK, so let's get this bit nailed and set up. Then get let's get the next bit nailed and set up and kind of have that have that program uh, and just make sure that you're kind of focusing on the stuff that's going to derive the, the most value over time. And it's 
it, it gives you kind of a more solid foundation from which to to, to operate. So I guess that's the the, the kind of the underlying message on that uh, on that second point. Absolutely, absolutely. So talk to me then. Um, I, I wanted to get into this as well. So just general challenges that people encounter as they as they go through this process, because I think just helping people to have their um, head uh, uh, kind of screwed on and uh, just being able to look at things really, really, um, uh, really pragmatically and just to understand what the potential pitfalls or challenges and things like that that might be. Break break that down for me and just give me some give me some color to that, because I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff that people uh, end up getting stumped on at some point uh, during the process. Yeah, I think, you know, Simon, we've had we've had everything from people with, you know, really big concrete stone walls where Wi-Fi is not available in a part of the building. And all of a sudden they want to implement a, a digital quality management system and on a Wi-Fi network that's not available, you know, and, and that's that's very basic, it's very simple. But just again, connectivity is obviously important. Right. And um, you want to make sure that you have access to. Um, the right level of Wi-Fi, if that's what's required for the system to work effectively. Um, and it's just thinking that through before you go down the road. The other thing I would say um, is the, the adoption of technology. The adoption of technology, some organizations are super and they're really advanced and tech is how they roll and others are just not. And I'd always say to people to never underestimate the mental challenge of somebody going from a process that they've always used and they've always followed into now all of a sudden we're going digital am i am i going to be able to get my head around this so it's doing the groundwork internally socializing the concept you know socializing the benefits with all the organization to kind of explain we're going to do this in a structured uh, constructive way we're going to bring value by doing this um and just again just and we just had this conversation actually this morning in, in the office you know refresh your training give people like assume nobody knows anything and just keep coming back to the well to make sure. But explain it to people, technology adoption does not have to be difficult. It can be done for different levels of people that are stronger with tech than others would be. So again, you need to mentally get people beyond that barrier because Simon, if you try to bring somebody in and hand them a tablet and they're just in a place where it's, it's all of a sudden it's a big surprise and they've, they're scared by it or they're even embarrassed in some cases by it. You don't have to be. So, and that leads me to the next point, making this as simple as possible. Um, you know, sometimes less can be more. You don't need to have hundreds and hundreds of audits with hundreds and hundreds of questions. You can have a very effective quality management system that can be very simple. It can start small. Another point I think which is really important is think of the bigger picture as you look to implement the first piece. Now, I'm a huge advocate, as you know, of scoping down the initial implementation and working on delivering quality and benefits initially, but make sure as you're doing that, that you have the bigger picture in mind. And as you go to implement something, think of if we ultimately had a blue sky and we were able to get this ultimate system in, does the system I'm going to choose or move forward with have the ability to deliver all of the components. In other words, can the system scale with me? Can it grow with me? Can it, as my business changes, can that system change with me? Because again, I see a lot of people will buy a, a point solution for one thing and find they want to do something different and two things will happen. Either this system provider will try to do it and do it really badly and now you're in a pretty bad place or you'll find it doesn't do it and you got to buy another system. 
and then buy a different system. And then you get four systems that really don't talk to each other. So, you know, it's all the, like, think of the bigger picture, I suppose, is the point I'm making. As you look to the future, what do we ultimately want to have? And then work that back and say, what are we now going to start with to get the process kicked off? Makes a lot of sense. Look, let's... um. I've got one more question just before we wrap things up. Um, I, I, my interpretation of the digital quality management world is the fact that things are moving quite quite fast from a tech perspective. Give me some, uh, give me a feeling around what new developments are on the on the horizon uh, and what's going to change over the uh, over the coming years relevant to uh, to digital quality technology. Yeah, I think there's there's probably three things in my head. One, I, I kind of alluded to earlier, and um, the need to to be offline. You need to have a digital quality management system that if I am in a remote part of the UK and I don't have connectivity through 3G, 4G or whatever Gs we're at right now, but that I can use a system that can then give me the ability to sync back up into my overall digital quality management framework when I get into a, a zone of connectivity. So we're certainly seeing that. That's a, that's an area that's, that's of interest. It's certainly on our radar and we're, we're certainly having conversations with a lot of companies around that. Um, apps, mobile apps. Again, it's kind of, I want my device to be my device. We're on, we're all on Facebook and we're on Instagram and all those other bits at nighttime. It's probably your best way to make it simple for the end user. So that kind of availability and access to the quality management system through your handheld device, be it a, um, a cell phone or be it your, your tablet or whatever that might be, again, I think is, is really, really, really important. And the trend is that people just want to be able to do it on their phone. You know, a couple of, couple of clicks of a button to log an instant. If I'm in a home care setting, for example, and I'm out caring for, for a patient and the patient falls, I want to be able to grab my cell phone and log that instant right there on my phone, you know? So that's kind of another area. So, And they're both related, Simon, I guess, to, to connectivity is the kind of heading I put on both of those. And, um, you know, um, remote availability, as in not uh, on Wi-Fi, and then the ability to access my quality management system using my, my phone. The other area I think which is really interesting and important um, in any quality management system is the concept of interoperability. Big fancy words, right? So what the heck does that mean? It's, it's basically very simple. It's that the data that you're putting into your system is able to connect and communicate with other components and parts of your quality management framework. So I'll give you an example. If you look at um, your auditing, like I spoke about earlier, and you have a software system delivering audits to all of your nursing homes, and I use that as an example, and you see a trend, and your trend is that you know medication management is really not good, or, or infection control, we're having a lot of issues, our scores are, are quite low, we're trending in the wrong direction. Interoperability means that that information should ultimately feed to the risk management components of your quality management framework. So it should link back automatically and flag on the risk register, infection control appears to be an issue, we gotta do something about it. Your board, your board are gonna want a one click button to see what are the top four things or the top 10 risks in my healthcare business right now. So you need to be able to see on the risk register now, a red box as it relates to infection control. You wanna then be able to click on it and see, well, well why? Why is this a risk in my business? Click on it, you now get brought to a nice dashboard showing you all of your audits for all of your locations where you can actually visually see red, red, red in a very visual dashboard. So now you can drill into location, individual person, time frame, and then you can drill further. 
What are we doing about it? What actions have been taken by that location? So interoperability is the connectivity of all the data points. That is, you enter it into the auditing system. It connects and talks into the risk system. I mentioned earlier about the mobile app. If Mary falls in her home, you want that fall to link itself back into the risk system. There is a risk that there's an increase of falls for residents or patients in a particular um, environment. Why is that? So it's that ability for all of the bits um, of the system really to, to connect and talk to each other. So you, when you have the helicopter picture, when you have that end state position that I mentioned earlier, that you can really click through to the systems and get to one individual doing an audit right up into the risk system, right up into a board or, or an executive review. Got you. Super, super, super helpful. Okay, it's been really, really great speaking to you today. Uh, obviously, discussing what makes great digital quality management framework. Um, so, yeah, really, really insightful conversation. You've shared an awful lot of knowledge. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Super. Thank you, Simon. Appreciate it.